theme song, take one. of my new podcast, Dirty Talk with Rain DeGray. I am super pleased to finally get started on a podcast. It's been in the works for a while, and it is finally launching. Thank you, everyone, for the questions you have sent and the support you have sent my way. I cannot wait to get started. I actually have a a lovely co-host with me today. Would you like to introduce yourself, co-host? Uh, hello. Uh, my name is Chris. I guess I'll call myself Chris. Chris? Chris. Well, that right. is your name, so that would work. Yeah. It's a little late now to come up with a stage name. Yeah. Chris A, like in Alcoholics Anonymous, what's the last letter they always use? Oh, Chris W, because it was Bill W, right? Right. So yeah, Chris W, we'll go with that. Are you saying you're an alcoholic? No. Alcoholics go to meetings. Ah. Uh- <laughs> Not always. No. The only the ones that claim to be alcoholics go to meetings. Anyways, we'll call me Chris for now. I'm uh, Randy Gray's daddy, if you would like to call me that. Uh-huh. Uh, also her manager, web designer, advocate, and coach. I don't know if there's any other titles that you would... That's a, that's a lot of titles. You're yeah. a very well-titled man. Yeah. Well, it's uh, I'm honored that you invited me along to come and join you on this new podcast venture. Well, I find you remarkably easy to talk to. That's why I keep hanging out with you. Same here. (laughs) Well, that and your many other fine qualities. I do. I do have many fine qualities. You come with large, large amounts of qualities, I would say. Vast tracts of land? Well, I don't know. Do you own, well, your family might own vast tracts of land for all I know. (laughs) So we have been getting a lot of good questions coming in on the phone-in line. And just to remind everybody, the phone-in line is 614-733-4739, which means it is 614-RD-GRAY. So keep calling in with those questions. We're not going to be taking any of those questions today. Instead, we had a different idea for the first episode. You want to tell them about it? So this first episode, I'm kind of viewing as a get to know us a little bit better. Future episodes will be featuring questions that people call in, updates on stuff that we're doing, um, discussing news articles that we find exciting. Politics, sex, religion. Right. You name it. Social issues, I guess. We're an opinionated sort, aren't we? Yeah. But we thought that a great intro for all of our listeners would be to do something called 36 Questions to Fall in Love. Now, this is kind of interesting. This was uh, actually first published in 1997. And basically how it works is that they had a man and woman uh, enter the doors of a lab through separate doors. And they sat face to face and they answered a series of increasingly personal questions. Then they stared silently into each other's eyes for four minutes. What makes this so interesting is six months later, two of the participants that did this study married. 
and they invited the entire lab to the ceremony. So I don't think we can just tell everybody out there that we will stare into each other's eyes for four minutes. I just don't know if that makes for good audio. It would make for lousy audio if we were just staring at each other for four minutes. Yeah. Uh, So instead of providing you with just four minutes of blank audio, you can just picture us in your minds. However, you picture us looking. I'm sure you can picture her quite well since uh, your face is out there. You might have a harder time picturing me. But whatever you picture from my voice, you can just picture us staring at each other for four minutes. And uh, we're going to cut that part out of the segment. Now, to be perfectly honest, we've actually done this once before. You took me out on a date, and we tried this 36 questions, and I found the four minutes staring into someone else's eyes definitely the most challenging part of this. Mm -hmm. Well, I know one of the things I read about it was two minutes is enough to get kind of uncomfortable, but then once you get past that two-minute point, the four minutes makes it incredibly intense. Because if you think about it, when you see a stranger on the street, you make eye contact and usually it's less than half a second. Everybody turns their head. Just glance away. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't see you. I didn't see you either. And you just continue on because you don't want to be that freak out there staring at people. Poor social boundaries. So uh, four minutes really makes this 36 questions challenging. So this study actually came out and yeah, it the study, got... the sexy name, this study has a real sexy name of the Experimental Generation of Interpersonal Closeness, a Procedure and Some Preliminary Findings. I'm what? That gets your loins going Oh burn? yeah, that's super sexy. Ooh, I'll have to check later. <laughs> so what made this interesting is that it then a, a lady found it and she wrote an article in 2015, How to... To fall in love with anyone, do this. And this article was featured in the New York Times, which then went viral. And it went so viral that she ended up giving a TED Talk on it. Yeah. So if you're curious about this and you want to see what it's like in practice, go ahead and look up the TED Talk by Mandy Lynn Catron. That's Mandy, L-E-N-C-A-T-R-O-N. And I will have links on the website to both the original article or the original study they did, the article she wrote based on the study, and a link to her giving a TED Talk on the outcome of the study for her and her personal life. Well, I think that's a pretty good intro. Do you want to get started on these 36 questions? Uh, Sure. So we're going to be asking them one at a time. Uh, You want to go first? You want to ask the first one? Sure. Given the choice of anyone in the world, whom would you want as a dinner guest? So this one is difficult because would we choose somebody that currently is alive? It no. says anyone in the world. Anyone in the world, alive or dead, who would you want as a dinner guest? So alive or dead. Mm-hmm. Well, sadly, Charlie Manson just died back in November, right? That so, is your choice of a dinner guest? No, I'm just saying if it was somebody alive, then, you know, he's not available anymore. No, I'm not saying that's my choice. I mean, I don't know what kind of dinner we would have. Probably fairly disruptive. Yeah. All right, so I'm learning more about well, Chris. Well, it would probably be we... a better dinner than we would have, say, if I had Jeffrey Dahmer for a dinner guest. All right, so you want to invite a psychopath or a serial killer to no, to no not, that wasn't my answer whatsoever. I was just, I was pontificating. Actually, I think my first choice would be Kurt Vonnegut. I know mm. most people want to go, would go the easy route, you know, Jesus, Gandhi, mm. Hitler. I don't know. Mm. But Vonnegut, I always found to be incredibly amusing. I love everything he wrote. I thought he was 
and just amazingly funny and his satire was spot on and he never grew tired of finding new more interesting ways to destroy the planet and humanity <laughs> i think that my perfect uh, dinner guest if i had a chance would be leonard cohen oh yeah i always thought that he'd be really interesting to talk to i like the way his mind works leonard cohen or maybe nick cave it's kind okay. of hard to pick between the two both of them seem like they wouldn't be boring dinner guests. Would you have them sing? No. no. It's a dinner guest. Oh, of course. They just, it's not, it doesn't, the question doesn't say anything about forced performance. Or I what would, you would have. What you would necessarily want to eat with these people, but. Well, I'm a vegetarian, so. I know. I would say vegetarian food. You are the worst vegetarian I know. I just happen to hate vegetables. <laughs> you are like a bread and mac and cheese vegetarian. Yum. All right. Question two. Would you like to be famous? In what way? I don't think that I would like to be famous. I know people that are famous and it can be a huge burden and a bit of a drag. I want to help people and I'm very passionate about education and being an advocate and ending stigma for sexuality. But I don't think that I would want the burden of being famous. Some people would say that you might already are in certain circles. Uh, I very limited circles. I think fame is a as a relative thing. I mean, some people have heard my name, but I certainly wouldn't call myself famous. Uh-huh. What about you? Would you like to be famous? I've often fancied the idea of being famous. It comes and goes because then I do sometimes see the trappings of fame, the things in the tabloids, and never really having much privacy. You see things on TMZ. People can't even walk down the street without yeah. being bombarded by cameras. And I mean, we're talking uber famous. Right. Maybe if I could be that elusive genius famous that could live in a cabin somewhere, thinking like J.D. Salinger type famous, where you you know do a couple great things and then you disappear and people just leave you the fuck alone. Mm-hmm. That might be good. And then you pop up once in a while and everybody's like, oh, look, it's that guy. He did all that great stuff. But then nobody comes and hunts you down. Maybe that kind of famous, but I think I would like to be famous for either music or writing or making movies or, I don't know, something creative. I I can totally relate to that. Podcasts. Podcasts. We're going to make you a famous podcaster yet. Don't <laughs> you worry. Before making a telephone call, do you ever rehearse what you're going to say? And if you do, why? I completely rehearse. Well, what I'm well, so I'm supposed to answer the question first. You're supposed to answer it? Oh. You, you ask it, I answer Oh, sure, sure, sure. What's your answer? So, uh, well, I agree with you. Yeah, I generally will have a general idea of what I want to say before I pick up the phone, depending on who I'm talking to. So, but sometimes I don't say the things that I really want to. Like if I'm calling a company and I'm completely irate by something I've seen on a bill or something, and I'm ready just to tear in to the person be like what the fuck is wrong with your company who do you guys think you are how dare you do this to me usually once i get the person on the line i'm polite and you know because you get more with the honey than the vinegar even though i want to but i know it's just some poor person in a call center just sitting there getting yelled at all day long and i feel bad for them so i usually don't say everything i've been wanting to say up until that point so it depends on who i'm calling for what but generally yeah i'm definitely planning what i'm gonna say before i call and you i will go so far as to write down on a piece of paper the bulletin points 
that I want to use. I have a, an atrocious memory and I hate walking away from a situation and not covering the things I should have. So not only will I rehearse what I will say, but I will write it down to make sure I don't miss anything and I say it in the correct order. Mm. Yeah, I can see you doing that. It's very Virgo of you. <laughs> I'm such a Virgo. All right. Question four. What would constitute a perfect day for you? A perfect day for me would be to get a chance to sleep in, for there not to be any appointments or anything outstanding, to not have any deadlines or bills looming over me, to be completely relaxed and comfortable, to hang out in bed with my cat and surf the internet on my tablet for a while, to do some writing, and then maybe go for a nice walk in good temperatures. I'm not too hot. I'm not too cold. Mid-70s. Mid-70s. Yes, good temperatures. And finishing up the night with a concert of a band that I really want to see. And then maybe having a Long Island iced tea or two and then coming home for uh, an extended bout of vigorous and enthusiastic banging. Wow. Have you had a day like that before? Yes. Ooh, so you've already lived your perfect day. <laughs> Correct. I know what I like. Well, good. I'm glad the concert didn't disappoint. <laughs> it did not. Yeah. So perfect day for me. <clears throat> yeah, I guess uh, the common theme is uh, not really having much to do or anywhere to go. Just being able to relax and let the day unfold. I think usually perfect days don't tend to happen when I'm at home. Because if I'm around the house, I always see so many things that I have to do or distract me. I've found that most of my perfect days are when I'm traveling out and about somewhere. When I was traveling in Europe, I had so many perfect days where you're just at a city you don't know. You go check out some space, some monument you've always heard of, eat food that you've never tried before, and you're just out and about, learn and have an incredible time. So I find it hard to have a perfect day at home because of all you look around and be like, oh, I got to fix that thing. Oh, that thing's broken too. Right. So I have to remove myself from my normal environment in order for me to relax enough to have that perfect moment. Number five. You... When did you last sing to yourself? And when did you last sing to someone else? I sing to myself a lot. Usually I get a song stuck in my head. Last time I sang to somebody else was actually last night. Uh, I was at work and one of the customers commented on the music that was playing on the jukebox. Uh, it was some heavy metal thing. And it's like he was saying something like, can't we have something just soft and relaxed, enjoyable from like something from My Fair Lady or something like that? And so I started singing uh, Rain in Spain Falls Mainly on the Plain to him. And also I'm getting married in the morning. And you say tomato, I say tomato, or you say tomato, I say tomato. Let's call the whole thing off. So show tunes to uh, drunken bar customers playing cards. That's the last <laughs> time I sang to somebody. How about you, Mr. Gray? I cannot carry a tune in the bucket. And I never try and make anyone have to suffer through me attempting to sing. I will occasionally whisper along to a song that's playing if I know the lyrics, but I don't sing to other people. It's not a talent I have. I wish I could sing. I wish I could dance, but I wasn't blessed with that this lifetime. I've heard you sing. 
It's not as bad as you claim. Well, when have I ever sung to you? Well, you've tried. I'll convince you to come out with the uh, soft, soulful vocal stylings of Rain de Grey. It'll <laughs> be a top seller. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. But your optimism is cute. Okay. Well, if William Hung can make an album, then I believe in you as well. He had a confidence in spades. He did definitely own it. All right, number six. If you were able to live to the age of 90 and retain either the mind or body of a 30-year-old for the last 60 years of your life, which would you want? Well, uh, that's an interesting question, and this is my thought. I'm not going to be able to do very much with the body of a 30-year-old if I'm 87 with dementia and drooling on myself while pissing in my depends. So I think that you would be incredibly foolish to choose the body of a 30-year-old because there's no guarantee that your mind is going to stick around. I'm looking at the uh, the numbers on that, and I think I'd rather take the mind. It would be crashingly ironic to have the body of a 30-year-old and end up getting early-onset Alzheimer's and be mushy-brained by, what, 60 and then you got another 30 years of hanging around in a flawless body while you shit yourself. But you'd be so hot while you're shitting yourself. What? So I'd be so brainless that people could come by and molest my hot body and I wouldn't know what's going on? I don't know. That seems like a, a poor choice. So I think what you're saying here is that you are choosing substance over vanity. That is correct. That is exactly what I'm saying. Okay. Well, I would like to maintain both the body of a 30 year old is it does it have it's to be me as a 30 year old either if you were to no, no, live I'm wondering... to the age of 90 and retain either the mind or body of a 30 year old for the last 60 years of your life which would you want well would it be my body at 30 or could i choose any body at 30 i think that you're really over elaborating on this question i, I think it's just re i don't know it doesn't say i, can I read don't the think question I, would, I wasn't again. i wasn't in very good shape when i was my 30 Mm -hmm. I was not doing healthy things. Then I think that you're probably also going to opt for the mind over the body. I guess so. But I also didn't know a whole lot of stuff when I was 30. I think I like uh, my mind more that I'm older than when I was 30. So I guess I would still like to, I'll still maintain the mind of the 30, like you said, just so I can still be sharp well into my 90s right. as I watch my body decay around me. Mm -hmm. and have full cognizance of what it is happening to me. All right, this is kind of a shitty question. <laughs> All right, moving on. Do you have a secret hunch about how you will die? Um, well, besides the, like, doing blow off of a hooker's ass while I'm skydiving out of a helicopter on a burning shark. It seems like an interesting way to die. Elaborate. See, my thought is, how are you going to do the blow off or ask? Because if you're skydiving, I'm understanding that the wind moves pretty quickly. How You wouldn't really get the blow to stay on her ass. Well, I could use a bullet. Okay. All right. All right. But then, I mean, that's, then you do the hooker. But that's not really a hunch. I mean, something like that doesn't just happen out of the blue. I think I'd have to plan it. And also, how do you get the shark to stay on fire since there is wind resistance? Probably right. blow out the flames. Uh, I don't think I'm going to have a very interesting death. I'll probably just die 
like everyone else, I might live to be old and just die in my sleep, slowly get decrepit and my body falls apart around me and I wake up not breathing and I'm dead. How are you going to wake up if you're not breathing and dead? I don't know. You're just a talented man. I don't know. Maybe I won't. Maybe, you know what? Maybe they will find a cure for death by the time I die. Or maybe, highly unlikely, they can upload my consciousness into sentient robots. Right. Well, hold out hope for that, my friend. Or I could not die and, like, Walt Disney just have myself frozen until they find a cure for whatever kills me. You know, they didn't actually freeze Walt Disney. I know. That's just an urban myth. I've heard that a lot of the people that actually had themselves frozen, uh, the company, the organization that did it, they ran out of funding. Yeah. And a lot of the people thawed. Yep. And they couldn't afford to keep them on ice anymore. Yep. These poor people thawed. So no mysterious future for them. Sorry, folks. <laughs> All right. Do you have a hunch about how you will die? Well, I'm really into working out. I like to take my vitamins. I like to eat really healthy. So... I would like to hope that the work and effort I'm putting into keeping my body in shape is going to pay off. I think that I'm probably either going to die with something totally random like a car accident or probably cancer. One in four people go in cancer. I mean, I got a 25% chance of rolling the cancer card. So I'm just statistically, probably cancer that gets me. Okay. So you're just playing the odds on that one. Yeah, I'm answering it in a logical way. That's it's you, logical around. I'm I'm a pretty logical person. All right, name three things you and your partner appear to have in common. I would say that we are both logical, we're both hard workers, and we are very devoted realists. I could agree with that. Uh, to that, I would add, uh, it's interesting that both of us grew up in cults. True. true. Both of us had crazy hippie new age parents. <laughs> also true. And both of us, at one point or another, held the same position at the same company. True. Right? Okay. We do have a lot in common. No wonder I keep hanging out with you. What in your life do you feel the most grateful for? The most grateful for is honestly my daughter. Mm -hmm. I, she put so much into perspective for me and most everything in my life is based around her and it's impossible to make any decision in my life without taking her into account. So, uh, yeah, definitely her. I was terrified of having children, but now that she's there, right. I'm so grateful I think you definitely got cooler after you had a kid. I try. I try to be a cool dad. You are a cool dad. I just I, I think that it was really good for you to have a child. I like the way you turned out post-kid. What about you? What are you most grateful for? I think the thing that I'm most grateful for is my drive and determination. I'm incredibly ambitious and determined to do something with my life and I have a real fire in my belly, which I think takes me farther than most people. I mean, I certainly have met people with more drive and ambition, but I'm capable of really focusing on something and getting it done. And I'm a really hard worker. And that's a character trait about myself that I like. I like getting shit done. I think it is. I, I appreciate that about you. You are definitely a 
fire first, aim later type of person, <laughs> I would say. That's so true. <laughs> I'm a tad impulsive. Okay, so uh, question 10 here I think is an interesting question for you. <clears throat> if you could change anything about the way you were raised, what would it be? <laughs> oh, my God. How much time do we have? Uh, I would have uh, different parents, I think. I would have... I had very hands-off, liberal, uh, you're just going to figure it out yourself, parents. And I could have used some parents that were more involved in the parenting process. I think I turned out fine. I like the way I am. But it's only in retrospect that I realized just how hands-off and lackadaisical and hippie they'll raise themselves my parents approached the act of parenting. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I can definitely see that. What about you? Um, if I could change anything, I mean, definitely uh, the ideas that my, especially my mom instilled in us, some of the crazy thoughts and beliefs that we were brought up with, uh, like that we were possessed by demons. And when we did things wrong, it wasn't our fault. It was because we were possessed by entities that were making us do bad things. And they would take us to shrinks to exercise the entities out of us. <laughs> My mother totally did that too. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I think, I mean, that kind of fucks with a kid when mm. you're told that, oh yeah, no, it's not your fault. But it it's also makes it- possession. Oh yeah. But you can also get away with stuff. Be like, no, that wasn't me, mom. That was the voice inside my head telling me to do it. Let's exercise that away. So yeah, it had its benefits. <laughs> but, but basically- all that new age spiritual crap that I was raised in, the fear of, you know, good and evil. And I couldn't go into my stepbrother's room because he had Iron Maiden posters on the wall and it was evil. And if I saw it, it would instantly turn me to the devil. I think I think I could have done away with all that kind of BS. Yeah, I should say so. We've definitely had uh, our fair share of interesting parents. So we're at question 11. My thought is we've got 36 of these questions and we're both answering them. I don't know that we need to do to take the, the whole four minutes. So take so, four yeah, minutes. Take four minutes and tell your partner your life story in as much detail as possible. In the interest of not having this become a two and a half hour podcast and having you all tune out, I think we can do a, a somewhat more con condensed version of the life story. Just to kind of give our, our listeners a chance to... Yeah. Okay. So... All right. So uh, I was born to my parents. My mom was a debutante from Colorado. My dad grew up in Marin County. I uh, suffered from manic depression, but he was also good with real estate and finance. They decided to have kids. They separated they got back together they would have a kid they separated they got back together they'd have another kid uh they finally divorced we spent time going back and forth from their house they were involved in a cult uh down in la when we were children my high school years were crazy you missed a lot of school we're hanging out with the not so good kids did uh some of those drugs kind of stuff uh float around for a while went to school I uh, did lots of jobs working with at-risk youth, finally got a finance degree, traveled Europe, got married, came back, had a kid, 
bought a house and then my wife and I decided things weren't working out, separated, but we're still living in the same house and raising our daughter. You guys do are doing really well with the co-parenting. I appreciate it. It's nice to see. Well, you help, so I do appreciate that. I do hope co-parent, yes. All right, <laughs> condensed. That's a good condensed version. Okay, my condensed version of my life story is that I was born from a... Well, you've met my mother. She's a bit mentally ill. I mean, she's not quite right. She's off her rocker. It's not that she was ever diagnosed, but she's just not really good at adulting or life. I was actually born in a cult to a mother that was completely obsessed with New Age spiritual bullshit. I left when I was 16, and my father was in and out of the picture because he had a huge Bukowski fetish and was really into drinking. He has since calmed down, gotten into real estate, gotten his shit together, doesn't drink anymore at all, and is very financially stable. I'm proud of him, but it took him until the age of 60 to figure out how to do all of that. After leaving the cult, I moved to Fairfax, met you when we were young, scrappy teenagers, Yeah. Uh, worked in a health food store for a while, decided to try my hand at modeling because I was tall and thin enough. I thought that I qualified, kind of found myself down a rabbit hole of starting to get more comfortable with my body, picked up a husband and got married along the way, ended up becoming a porn star. It's funny how that works out. Uh, and then an educator, writer, activist, um, managed to find myself actually lecturing at Harvard and now am hanging out with you again because you've re-entered my life. Yeah. It's been a very nice, what, three, almost four years now. Uh, who counts? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I could if I wanted to. Yeah, you're much better with dates than I, I am. Well, I, I came and visited you at your class. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to, that's a, that's a, that's a definitely a story that's I'd like to save episode. for, for another episode of how you re-entered my life. A very actually special think. episode. Very special episode. <laughs> Oh, yeah. uh, is that your your good condensed? That's good. I mean, I have a lot more to say. About oh, sure, it, I could. We could go for hours, for but hours. you know, I want to make this podcast not like an extended maxi version of. All right. If you could wake up tomorrow having gained any one quality or ability, what would it be? Patience. Mm, patience. I have a very low frustration level, oh. and it's not an asset I'm proud of. Mm -hmm. I wish I was more patient. Hmm. What about you? Quality. Uh, I would, I think, clairvoyance. If we're going to go, I mean, if we're going to go all out, I mean, it says quality or ability. Clairvoyance, being able to see in the future. I mean, yeah, think okay. of how much I would be able to accomplish if I could see in the future. And I'm not talking about like that stupid cyclop clairvoyance where the devil grants the cyclops the ability to see in the future and all he can see is his own death. You know, I mean, I want to see like stock, lottery, that kind of stuff. I mean, if I could see into the future... See all the mistakes I'm going to make if I can avoid them? Hell, give me some clairvoyance. I didn't know that's where we were going. If that was the case, I would have taken invisibility. I oh, was just going for practice. Because you're a perv? I am a voyeur. I love looking. I love watching. I love observing other humans. If I was invisible, I swear to God, I would spend the rest of my life just walking around and checking out people. Yeah? Yeah. Well, I mean, I took it to say I said to any, it says any one quality, so... I go big or go home, right? 
Indeed. So, all right, that comes the end of uh, set one. And uh, we'll move on to set two in just a little bit. Hi there, everyone. This is Rain DeGray at Dirty Talk. This podcast was brought to you by Patreon and all of my lovely supporters that I have there. I could not do what I'm doing without you, and I am incredibly grateful for your support. I can be found at patreon.com backslash reindegray. Again, that's patreon.com backslash reindegray. All $5 and higher Patreons get exclusive early access to my podcasts. And again, I just want to thank all of you for being here with me on this journey. I can't wait to see how this podcasting unfolds. I'm looking forward to every moment. Question number 13. If a crystal ball could tell you the truth about yourself, your life, the future, or anything else, what would you want to know? Um, I would want to know if everything turns out okay. Mm-hmm. Right? Because sometimes you worry about, like, is everything going to turn out okay in the end? You have no idea how it's going to turn out. So just the knowledge that, hey, you know what? Despite all the fuck-ups and mistakes you made throughout your life, everything turned out okay, and you actually turned out to be pretty happy and have a well-rounded, fulfilling life. What about you? If a crystal ball could tell me the future or anything else, what would I want to know? I would want to know where I lived, how I died, who my friends were. I am the type of person who prefers to know the plot of a movie before they see it, because then it allows me to see the more subtle nuances So if I already knew the movie of my life in advance, I can't help but think that would allow me to enjoy it more. And then would you go and spoil it for people that haven't seen the movie yet? No. Maybe. Probably. (laughs) Yeah. Because of lip filler. Oh, shut up. (laughs) It's a debacle for another time. (laughs) We'll unpack the lip filler and movie spoil. It was... (laughs) It's a good story, though. I am sorry. (laughs) All right. Uh, Is there something that you've dreamed of doing for a long time Why haven't you done it? There is indeed something I've dreamed of doing for a long time, and that is finish writing my book and get it published. Why haven't I done it? Because writing a book is a lot of work, and it's a long-term payoff. I find myself distracted with writing articles that pay immediately. I'm currently working on three different books, and I'm making progress on all three, but I honestly thought at this point in my life I would have multiple published titles under my belt and I have not the day-to-day necessities of earning a paycheck to cover your bills makes it harder to invest the time in the book knowing that you're not going to get the benefits of it for a couple years down the road I do write like basically every day but it's shorter pieces yeah I can see that I I think I agree uh with you on that one is I've had lots of ideas for books um and I like performing music and one of the goals i have for myself is to before i die is to have at least one published piece of work and one completed album worth of music and why haven't i been doing that is because the day-to-day drudgery uh usually takes precedent and when you have a family support uh, your creative dreams if you are not fully on top of them and fully driven and kind of put everything else aside is really hard to accomplish so yeah. could be a comp out but sometimes at the end of the day i'm just too exhausted to even focus on any of those things right 
Well, you're going to find out whether or not that's a cop-out because eventually your kid's going to grow up and that's going to be off your plate. Yeah. And then when that happens, you're going to have to figure out something to do with that free time. Well, I can, I'm sure I'll be able to find some other excuse for procrastination. <laughs> <laughs> what is the greatest accomplishment of your life? I would say making it this far and mm. actually having as much in my life as I have. You know, when I was younger, I could never dream of being in the position I am. I was angry, mad at the world, you know, mm. punk rock, fuck society, all that kind of stuff. Um, I remember. And I could <laughs> never imagine myself being a family man and having a daughter, being a homeowner, uh, being a contributing member of society, I guess, and not just some bum hanging out in the corner getting <laughs> drunk with his friends and not worrying about tomorrow so i always thought that i was going to be dead by 27 Aww. like like all the greats yeah. uh, but unfortunately <laughs> that work out for uh, you, kid? well <laughs> i've got uh, a good 13 years on that so didn't <laughs> what about you uh what is your greatest accomplishment so far I would have to say that it's a fairly even tie between pulling off being a homeowner in the Bay Area and speaking at Harvard. I don't have a college degree, and I was pretty happy that I still managed to get invited to lecture at Harvard. That's the greatest success I've had so far, but also working really, really hard and saving all of my money for over a decade enabled me to finally pull off buying a house and I consider that a pretty successful accomplishment buying a house in the Bay Area particularly if you we like we both were were yeah. born in a cult raised by filthy hippies and there was not a lot of money savings going on and you and me both pulled off being homeowners that's adulting pretty fierce that's something I'm proud of yeah well I think it's because we both saw our parents scraping by no, and yeah. decided we did not want that for us well I'm not I'm podcasting and being a freelance author and educator is not exactly a lucrative gig but I'm really good at saving the shekels I do manage to get I'm not a frivolous spender mm -hmm. all right what do you value most in a friendship understanding I I'm not even going to say something like like loyalty or companionship I value most a friendship when I feel that the other person can truly understand me uh-huh and I feel comfortable in their presence. And it's not often, it's rare that I run across someone that I feel comfortable with, relaxed around. I feel that they understand me and don't judge me, that uh, the conversation flows easily, that we're intellectual equals, that they view the world in a similar way that I do. No, oh, I appreciate that, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think uh, for me, uh, the, what I value most is trust. I think it's hard. Like, I don't trust a lot of people uh, to do anything. I just... No, you don't. Uh, well, um, I feel like there's very specific ways that things should be done. And if they're not done in those ways, then maybe I have a bit of the OCD. But I don't trust people to handle a lot of stuff. So it's hard doing that. And it's hard trusting people not to stab you in the back. I don't know if part of that is because when I was younger, most of the friends I had were party friends and you know they'd sell you out for just one fix right 
So well, you had low self-esteem and you were picking pretty shitty company. Yeah, shitty yeah, friends. Yeah. But but I think I mean trust. I think in all my relationships is just trust and somebody that you can call up at three in the morning no matter what and they would be there for you no matter the circumstances. Yeah, people like that don't come along every day. Yeah. That's for sure. I get a lot of random guys online saying that they'd be happy to pick me up at three in the morning for something. <laughs> for something, air quotes. <laughs> But I, surprisingly enough, I've not taken up any of them on their offer. What is your most treasured memory? My most treasured memory, honestly, God, I don't know. There's so many different moments in my life. The most. The most treasured memory. Mm -hmm. I remember right after my daughter was born, I was delirious. We'd been up all night in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And I had her and I was holding her for the first time in my lap. And I just couldn't believe it because it's just this person that you know is going to be coming. You have no idea who they're going to be mm -hmm. or anything. And it's just this ethereal idea up until that point where they know there's actually a person here now. And I was holding her and she kept sticking her tongue at me. And I just, just cooing and talking to her and didn't know what to say. And she just kept sticking her tongue out and exploring the world with her tongue. And so, of course, I quoted the tick uh, to her, one of my favorite comic books and mm -hmm. cartoons. So I said softly to her as I held my newborn daughter in my arms, I said, tongue, tongue weeps, for she has but one small tongue with which to explore an entire world. <laughs> So I value that moment. How about you? I would say that my most treasured memory would be every year, once a year, you take me to a cabin out in the woods for my birthday. And I think the second year after the hot tub, when we were just completely in the moment, I don't think I've ever felt so relaxed and comfortable. I'd say that that's probably my most treasured memory. Oh, thank yeah. you. Thank you for giving it to me. Oh, you're welcome. That was before or after the human sacrifice? <laughs> there was no human sacrifice. Oh, yes, that's right. There was no human sacrifice. We agreed that never happened. That's right. Brat. Oh, okay. What is your most terrible memory? That's a, a lot of um, baggage to unfold, and I think I'm going to leave it at a stepfather. Oh, all right. Stepfather. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I had some shitty stepfathers in my day. Yeah. My uh, mother's picker was a little broken. Yeah, well, uh, knowing your mother, I can see why. <laughs> I think your mother was a little broken, not just her picker. <laughs> In general, she was pretty broken, yeah. Uh-huh. My most terrible memory... Well, I remember one of the, the worst days of my life. I was living in San Anselmo. It was the first time I'd ever moved out on my own. And living in San Anselmo in what was essentially a crack house. And in one day, my whole life basically started falling apart around me. But I remember in one day, I 
left to go to work. I got ran off the road by a bread truck, hit a stop sign, had to call the tow truck to have me towed to work because my car wasn't running. And then I got home that night and found out that my junkie roommate hadn't paid the pg bill. So we had no electricity and no hot water because they'd come and shut everything off. And it stayed like that for a while. And it was just a horrible day. One of those things, one thing after another. And then realizing that my girlfriend who was living in the house with me at the time was hooking up with my friend who had shown up that I knew from high school. And uh, just this that house and watching everything I knew crumble around me. So lesson to be learned, uh, don't live in crack houses. With junkies. Yeah. Right. I think that's a pretty valuable lesson. Thank you for sharing that. To all those young children out there listening to this podcast. Don't do drugs. Drugs are bad. I I have found that generally the less I live in crack houses with junkies, the better my life is. Mm -hmm. If you knew in one year you would die suddenly, would you change anything about the way you are now living? And if so, why? Uh, Yeah, definitely. I would change everything. I'd probably quit my job. I would spend more time with the people I care about, basically my daughter and my boo. I would probably try and spend as maximum time with them as possible. Maybe it would kick me in the ass creatively and try and get all the creative projects I wanted to do in high gear. I would travel, see all the places, probably burn through all my savings, which would be unfortunate because then I wouldn't really have anything left to give my daughter, I guess. But uh, I probably wouldn't sleep very much. I would probably uh, maybe average three hours of sleep a night because I would want to suck every little moment out of the year that I have. I would finish all of my books. I would not, I would not want to, if I had one year, getting my books done would be the highest priority. I would just not leave the house. I know the concept of like traveling, but I feel like I have these books in me that I want to get out. And that's something I'd want to leave behind more than traveling somewhere. Not that traveling somewhere wouldn't be awesome and not that I wouldn't want the experiences, but for me, actually... If I had one year and did nothing but focus on getting the books, I would be able to leave multiple manuscripts behind. And I think that's my highest priority. Yeah, I can see that. All right, question 20. What does friendship mean to you? To me, friendship means someone that I can count on, someone that I feel comfortable with, someone that gets me, someone that has the same sense of humor as me, and someone that someone whose company I don't get sick of in in short order. Most people I find I have a limited amount of time for interaction with them before they start to grate on me. And a true friend is someone that I can spend hours and hours with and you don't even notice the time passing. Yeah, I can agree with all those things. I also, like I said before, I think a true friend is somebody that you could call at any time and mm-hmm. they would instantly get what you're talking about you know, or be there if you needed to talk to them. Not that you would want to abuse that on any regular basis because when you have one of those friends that are constantly in crisis, you don't want that. I wouldn't say that's a true friend, but somebody that would be there for you. 
also somebody that uh, would help you move. You really find out who your friends are when you need to move and you put that call out <laughs> and uh, whoever shows up, you're like, wow, we must be friends because you're helping me lug all my crap to another place. Well, then I must not have very many friends. Remember the last time I moved, I was down in uh, the canal district in San Rafael, waving around a bunch of 20s, hiring people that were standing on the street corner to help me move my shit. Were you saying, will you be my friend? Will you be my friend? <laughs> will you be my friend for the day? $20. Yeah, and when they were, uh, when the people I hired off the streets to help me move my mattress uh, helped me move, they told me my mattress was shitty and I needed a new one. <laughs> So I was like, okay, I think I think that's the universe speaking to me. When the undocumented workers from from Mexico were like, dude, your mattress sucks, I, I listened. I got yeah. a new mattress. Yeah, but also I think uh, friendship means that you don't have to talk to the person every day necessarily. I right. think uh, the people that I treasure most are the ones I have, some of my best friends, I maybe talk to them once or twice a year. Sometimes right. I'll go a couple years, but... A true friend is you see them and it's been so long, but you pick up right where you left off. It's like right. no time. It's just changed. that instant comfort. Yeah. No, yeah. no explanations, no nothing. You right. know, it's just because we don't talk to each other all day doesn't mean that we're not friends. There's still a connection. I love having friends like that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What roles do love and affection play in your life? Well, I like most people on this planet need some sort of affection to thrive. I mean, we're social beings, so I need uh, affection. Love, I guess, is a loaded term for me. Uh, depends, like, romantic love or what? I guess uh, it depends on the kind of love. Like, I love... You have a different kind of love for everybody in your life. Like... I definitely love my daughter. I I love my boo. Um, <laughs> there, there's very few people even that I can. Even if that say. scares you sometimes. Even if it's scary, you know, it's scary to love somebody because it makes you vulnerable. That's why I guess I have so much tied up around love, and it's not a word that I throw around very often. I really have to really appreciate somebody to use the love word with them because i think when it comes down to it when i love somebody i would do absolutely anything for them and i think that i would actually kill somebody if they hurt them that's how deep it goes so i well, there's very few people that i can say like i honestly love you because it means that i would do anything within my power to help you that's what it means to me it's a good thing I don't have anyone that I need killed then, huh? Well, I'm not saying just because I love you and you'd be like, hey, I got this guy you need knocked off. But I'm saying, you know, if, if somebody seriously hurt you, they might get a visit in the middle of the night. <laughs> I know people that know people that can send a person. You do know a lot of people. It's true. Yeah. People in low places. <laughs> so uh, what, is, uh, what roles do love and affection play in your life? Well, I think that affection is something that is it's pretty crucial. It's kind of like water that a plant needs. The more love and affection you give someone, the more nourished and in better state they're in. I like to think of myself as fairly self-sufficient, but occasionally there are things that you just can't do yourself. I try and cuddle myself 
or cuddle with my cat. And it's not quite the same as cuddling with you. So they are things that most of us need. But like you, I hate the weakness of needing that from someone else and having to hope and pray that they'll be able to come through on that. Love and affection means that you have to get that from someone else, and that's, for me, a tricky position to be in. Okay, so now uh, number 22 kind of mixes it up a little bit. Now we have to alternate, we're doing alternate sharing, something you consider a positive characteristic of your partner. So we have to do a total of uh, five items. So I guess you say one about me, and then I say one about you. Okay. So you start. Intelligent. Okay. Can I can I parrot that back at you? Sure. Is that valid? That's valid. I appreciate your intelligence as well. You are a very logical person, and I really appreciate how calm you stay under pressure and how logical you are in your interactions with others and your behavior and actions. I appreciate your drive. I see you as a very driven person, and when there's something that you want in your life, I see the ways that you manifest it, whether you know it or not. And oftentimes it happens at random, Mm -hmm. but somehow you manifest the things that you want for yourself. Yeah, I've always kind of had a knack for that. <laughs> a positive character. This does. I don't mean for this to be totally. Um, sh- You've uh, run shallow. out of positive characters. No, no, no. I, I, I happen to really like the fact that you're a brunette. Oh. I love. I, no offense to anyone who's listening who's a blonde, but I like brunettes, and I've always liked the fact that you have dark hair. Well, good thing I was born with the dark haireness. Yeah, no, it, it makes you significantly more appealing to me. I just, I don't. I have a weakness for brunettes i realized i said daddy issues my father's a brunette and that kind of set up the patterning for me so Mm -hmm. yeah i do like that about you i uh like your creativeness uh you can always make something new and fresh um especially in the boudoir i would say i appreciate that about you is that you're always willing to try new things and be okay with trying new things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like your. I like the way you view the world. Now, many people have called us uh, cynics. I don't think that we're cynics. I think that we're realists and we're practical people. But I like your off the beaten path mindset. I've always appreciated it about you. There's a, a certain, um, well, I, I, I remember an acquaintance that we had that said you and me are like members of the Adams family. <laughs> we just sit around all day wearing dark clothes and kvetching. While some people might find us morbid, I, I like the way your brain works. I like that slightly perverse uh, twist you have. Well, I like the way your brain works as well. So my number four is this the fourth one I'm sending you mm-hmm. away. You're Number, starting to run out of things. You are. Yeah, you? Oh, geez. I've got to <laughs> mine this, this small bucket of positive traits. No, I uh, appreciate your cleanliness, actually. I think that it's, it's admirable that things are kept a certain way. I agree 
that there are certain ways to do things. We both have and, attached to the OCD. It's and true. you do them. And if something is worth doing, it's worth doing right. And Damn I straight. really appreciate that about you, that you are always willing to learn the right way to do something. Yes. And uh, do it right. And if something needs to get taken care of, instead of putting it off, do let's, that let's just do it and right. get it out of the way and stop just walking over that thing. Let's yeah. just pick it up and yeah. take care of it. So I appreciate that about you. Well, my last item of things that I appreciate about you is that I think that you're an amazing father. I love seeing how dedicated you are to your daughter. She's really bought, brought out the um, some very positive character traits in you. I love watching you parent. You know, and you're really dedicated to it. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, my fifth and final appreciation, I would say, would be your loyalty. I can see it. And the people that you allow to get close to you, you are steadfastly loyal and would do the, anything you could to help them, never give up on them, even mm-hmm. when they're in the most dire mm-hmm. of situations. I think that it's an admirable how loving and loyal you are to the people that are close to you. I don't let many people close to me, but once you're in her circle, uh, I'm not going to give up on you. Yeah, I can. I've seen it. How close and warm is your family? Do you feel that your childhood was happier than most other people's? <laughs> uh, well, unpacking the family stuff. Yeah, really. This, um, this is getting kind of deep here. I wouldn't say my family was very close and warm. Um, no. My mom wasn't much of a hugger and for somebody that didn't really seem to like children very she much had so many she kids had how do you wind up with four children when you don't even you like choose, children yeah well she, i can tell you how you wind up well with- i mean i know the mechanics <laughs> involved yes but uh i mean she was quite absent for most of my childhood and my sisters and i pretty much raised ourselves i mean she was yeah. there for us i mean i, I came from a broken home my mom and dad separated and then my mom remarried to another man who that's a whole nother story and then they got separated so i most of my young life i was being raised by a single mom who was not very touchy affectionate kind of thing and my whole family you've met my sisters and we're all very logical mm-hmm. and we all have very strong personalities mm-hmm. and we are not a very cuddly bunch Maybe, maybe except for my youngest sister. She seems fairly cuddly, but I don't think my other sisters are no. very cuddly at all. Mm-mm. So, no, we were not very cuddly or warm. We tend to interact each other more on a mental, intellectual level, mm-hmm. I would say. So was my childhood happier than other people's? I guess it would have to be, was it happier than some child growing up in a third world country? Yeah, probably. But there was also some ups and downs, you know, uh, we had some, some crazy times, but we made it through it. And I like that I'm friends with all my siblings. Like I actually enjoy them. And when we get together for family gatherings, I enjoy talking with them and seeing them. Okay. How about you and your cuddly flock? Uh, um, my family is not close. It's not particularly warm. And my childhood, I would say is was not happier than most people's i'm putting that uh with the spin of white first world privilege i have i was born in california 
and the Bay Area, which is no matter how shitty of a family upbringing you have, it's going to be better than many places in the world. I would not say it was a particularly happy childhood, but I think that I've turned out fine. I like who I am now. But uh, warm and close is not really something that we do. No. Last question in set two. How do you feel about your relationship with your mother? We don't talk. That's, she's not, she's a, she's a broken woman. Honestly, I, when I was younger, one of my greatest fears was that I was going to inherit her mental illness. She's not diagnosed. I mean, who knows what's wrong with her, but there's obviously something, whether she's on the spectrum or has some sort of mild schizophrenia or what, like, I mean, my mother just was not really good at mothering, never really meant to be a mother. I'm a definite mistake. It was an accident. And then when she got here, she just couldn't. Parenting was not really her cup of tea. So uh, my relationship with my mother is non-existent. I have cut her out of my life because of how unhealthy she is. Well, yep. I knew that's going to be your answer. <laughs> uh, my relationship with my mother is very complicated. She is currently living in a home for people with dementia, and I am in charge of running her estate while she is there. Luckily, she was successful enough in multi-level marketing, of all things, to make a decent amount of money. And uh, But now she cannot take care of herself because her brain is basically gone and she is not the woman that I knew growing up. Whether the alcoholism was part of that, we don't know. But she definitely has some pretty severe dementia and I don't visit her as often as I should. But I'm not... She would she wouldn't even remember. I know she, she wouldn't her. know, and it's not much fun having the same conversation five over times in the course of a half hour. So, yeah, I take care of her. I make sure the bills get paid, and I make sure she's taken care of. But other than that, my mother and I were never very close. I guess I just do it out of a sense of obligation. So there we have it. Set two. We'll move on to set three. <laughs> Hi everyone, this is Rain DeGray with just a quick reminder that you can check out all of my doings on my website, raindegray.com. I have an advice column there. I have articles written. I have regular blogs. I have shout-outs to all of my lovely Patreon supporters. I have a calendar of my scheduled classes, shoots, and events. If you're curious about what I'm doing and want to keep abreast of all of the fresh information, head on over to my website. It is updated on a regular basis with lots of exciting content. All right. Welcome back. Set three, third and final set. Mr. Gray? So these questions are um, a little interestingly worded. We're going to provide links so that you can see this original uh, study and the article. These are basically, these questions are designed to help you get to know someone that you meet right away. So for us, we've been hanging out off and on for over 20 years. And some of these questions are going to be a little oddly worded, but this is the way the original study went. So work with us. Make three true we statements each. For instance, we are both in this room feeling. So... 
Do I go first? Uh, yeah, you can go first. Oh, I go first. We are both recording our first ever podcasts. Congratulations, Podcast Cherry. Uh-huh. Pop. Boom. I'd, I'd, <laughs> give you, I'd, I'd give you a big fist bump, but you're on the other side of the room. <laughs> Long distance fist bump. Boom. <laughs> two more. Oh, are we alternating? Uh, well, fuck it. Just we're here to do okay. the two. Uh, we are both sitting, currently sitting in my bedroom. We're recording this from my house while my cat sleeps on the couch in the corner. It's a very cute cat. He wanted to kick the cat out. He was afraid the cat would disrupt the podcast, and I didn't let him. Well, I don't want any random meows. That's just added production value. There is a cat in the room. Okay. We are both going to sleep in this bed tonight. We will probably be cuddling after we finish recording this within the next hour. Cuddling, huh? Cuddling. Air I, quotes. I like cuddling. I'm sure you do. <laughs> We are both intelligent-driven people with a bit of a perverted mind. We are very good at keeping each other entertained and happen to find each other to be very pleasant company. We have known each other for most of our lives. A large chunk of my life has spent knowing you. You've come in and out of my life. In many different random ways. Yeah, even like times you, that you can't even remember. Even times that I can't even remember. The universe. <laughs> I just, swear I was there. I believe you. The universe just keeps pushing us together. I guess so. All right, question 26. Complete this sentence. I wish I had someone with whom I could share. I wish I had someone with whom I could share my deepest, most uh, inner, innermost maybe not socially acceptable perverted thoughts and not be judged huzzah i found that person oh Hi. yeah i was gonna say oh you mean I'm, you mean they're more perverted and more socially unacceptable than the ones you tell me about no no i'm waving at you you're my person <laughs> okay oh, i wish i had him why that's that's a stupid i already have that bring it all on yeah i feel like i have somebody i can share most everything with i know um when I was writing out a list a long time ago of my perfect person back when I was in the dating world, I wrote down one of my requirements was I wanted a girl that I could go paintballing with during the day and to the opera with that night. And I believe, yep, you raised your hand. I see you over there. You'd be down for both of those. All right. Fuck yeah. Yeah, let's break into some abandoned buildings and uh, then that night go and eat at a fancy five-star restaurant. I can hang. Right. The only thing she cannot do is horror films. I wish that I had someone <laughs> with whom I could share horror films. <laughs> That's valid. That's but valid. you know what? I am raising my daughter right, and she is young, but still she loves her some horror films. There's a couple, uh, you know, she hasn't watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre yet. She hasn't watched the Dawn of the Dead remake. It's on her list. She really wants to see them, but you know, I tell her, honey, you gotta wait till you're 10. <laughs> That's right. I know you wish you had someone to watch horror films with. That ain't me, baby. <laughs> well, she will watch all the horror films. She's a daddy's girl. And like her daddy, she does not get scared of anything. <laughs> Tell your partner what you like about them. Be oh, no, no, wait, you skipped 27. Remember, you're doing the odds. Oh, okay, okay. 
If you were going to become a close friend with your partner, please share what would be important for him or her to know. Ooh, well, well, okay. I think all you know all these things about me already. Um, one, I have a very dark sense of humor. Mm-hmm. I also uh, can have a bit of the ADD. Oh, yes. Right? Um, True story. I also can suffer from bouts of manic depression. And I can be really fun to be around when I'm manic and not so much fun to be around when I'm on the depression side of it. So my co-host is a former junkie with manic depression and ADD with a really dark sense of humor. Possibly. (laughs) Can you hang? I can hang. Okay. I've been hanging this uh, whole time. I'm just saying, I don't know. Is there anything else? Uh, yeah, I don't think uh, that pretty much cover. That's all the, the that's all the hard stuff. I can also uh, be a really good friend. And one of the things I pride myself on is I can fix almost anything. You are good at fixing things. I can take something apart, put it back together, and good as new. Uh, I feel that we are already close friends. You are my best friend. Share what would be important for him or her to know. I am chronically late. I have a a very low frustration tolerance. Mm-hmm. I'm not a very patient person. And I have done about a decade's worth of fairly hardcore BDSM porn. Oh. Wow. Aghast I, over here. Aghast. Right. Which can be, which I think is no big deal, but that can be sometimes heavy for some people to hang. And uh, people do like to out me. Um, people do like to talk about it. And if that's, if I'm not in being introduced to you with like, by the way, she's done all these things, it can come out and people can get weird afterwards. It's a good thing you already know everything. But uh, yes, I guess that would... Well, I think we've already had this conversation where I fully accept you as you are and everything about you because all those things are the things that I appreciate about you. Question 28, tell your partner what you like about them. Be very honest this time. Say things you might not say to someone you've just met. Well, since this is supposed to be done with a stranger, I think we have said these things, but uh, something we already said things that we liked about right. the other person. Yeah. I don't think this question applies quite as much because this is supposed to be done in a laboratory setting with uh-huh. sitting across the room from someone going through these questions and then doing the time, the eye contact. Yeah. And people find themselves falling in love uh-huh. after doing this. Well, I think we're already there. I don't know that this question necessarily applies. Well, what um, do you like about me besides the things that you stated earlier, Your your five bullet points? I like your broad shoulders, your brunette hair, your logical mind, your drive, your ability, your curiosity, your your desire to learn all the things, how hands-on you are, how you are always determined to find the right way to do things and apply them. I like your curiosity. I like how competent you seem with so many things. It's very appealing. Thank you. I can't think of anything else to tell you. No, I'm I'm joking. I'm joking. (laughs) I really, really appreciate your intelligence. 
um, it's so refreshing to have somebody that's your equal when it comes to being in a relationship. And oftentimes, I, I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I've had girlfriends that have felt threatened because I'm more intelligent than them or I know so much more about more things. It's a sign of a weak person to be threatened by that. Yeah, uh, but I guess they, they feel that way. But I appreciate that you are intelligent and I can bring up random things from literature or we can talk about obscure books that it seems like no one else has ever heard of but would be considered mandatory reading to me right, right and of course you've read it and you can break it all down and discuss it all and i really appreciate the that we have a lot of interests in common i like that we can sit around and talk about serial killers together <laughs> <laughs> I find that endearing that you have a vast swath of knowledge about all the different serial killers. I do have an extensive, my serial killer knowledge is, yeah, I'm, that's definitely one of my, an area of research I've focused a lot of time and energy on over yeah. the years. So yeah, I think you're a nice mix of sweet and macabre. <laughs> that's Aww. what I appreciate about you. <laughs> I like that. That should be on my business card. <laughs> oh yeah. Share and. Uh, an embarrassing moment in your life. Share a really embarrassing... Okay. I was at a party, right? Mm -hmm. And I might have had a bit to drink, and I might have been smoking a certain substance, which is now legal in the state of California. Mm -hmm. uh, this party was at an old house, and I went into the bathroom and shut the door behind me, and use the facilities and when i went to go open the door to the bathroom i noticed there was no door handle on the inside and i guess this house was so old and janky and run down that it was running out of door handles and that they would have to swap door handles from other rooms to be able to open doors of other rooms so i was looking around there's no door handle i could not figure any way to get the door open at all so I had to start knocking on the door saying, hello, anybody out there? I'm in the bathroom. Can you please let me out? And after a minute or so, somebody finally heard me and turned around and said to everybody at the party, like, hey, hey, shh, everybody quiet, quiet down. Wait, turn the music off. Turn the music off. Wait, listen to that. Everything got quiet on the other side of the door. And I said, hello, is there anybody out there? And then I heard the voice say, there's someone trapped in the bathroom and everybody started laughing. So they came and tried to talk me out of there and they're trying to tell me that there was a door handle somewhere on the sink in the bathroom. While that was happening, they had somebody else rummaging through the house trying to pull a doorknob off of some other random door. <laughs> Eventually, somebody found a doorknob that they were able to come and use and insert into the door and open the door. And lo and behold, there was no doorknob in the bathroom for me to let myself out. But when I came out, I came out to a room full of people all staring at me. And for the rest of the night, I was that guy that locked himself in the bathroom. Quite embarrassing. Hmm. I see. It's an, an, an embarrassing moment in my life. Yeah. Embarrassing moment. Have you? You've never been embarrassed, have you? Um, I, you like to do some humiliation play on me. I think that just last night you pointed out that my panties weren't as fresh as they could have been. I'd been wearing them all day and I'm kind of a juicy girl and they were translucent purple panties that 
had a little bit of see-through mesh and you pointed out that my panties had evidence left behind. I found that pretty embarrassing. But I still grabbed them, smelled them, and stuck them on my head. You did do that. Showing you that I cared not what was in your panties. You don't <laughs> care about what's in my panties. Well, not what's in the panties. <laughs> once the panties come off, I don't care about what's in them. That's true. You did wear my dirty panties on your head. So I don't know why you'd be embarrassed of that. Well, I, I found it embarrassing. Oh, I'm I mean, sorry that you were embarrassed. I mean, I'm I'm oddly hard to shame. Like, it really it takes a lot to, like, I guess it would be, like, you know, farting. And I remember once in school, I was sitting in the back row of class, and I, I couldn't have been that old. And there was a guy I had a crush on that was one row in front of me, and I farted. And, like, my seatmate was like, what? What did you just do? And, like, she pointed it out. And then, like, the guy, like, turned around and looked at me. He's like, that's disgusting. I guess that would qualify as kind of embarrassing. Well, that's embarrassing. I guess you guys never dated? No, we didn't. I, was, I had crushes on people for a long time before I actually started dating them. Oh, yeah. Oh, if I could count all the number of crushes. All the girlfriends I've had in my mind. My, my, my. <laughs> I'm such a player. <laughs> Many and plentiful. Oh, Yes. All right. Uh, when did you last cry in front of another person or by yourself? Hmm. Um, I'm a real crier. It's not hard for me to get to waterworks. Crying is something that's always kind of right on the surface. And if I have any sort of emotional fluster, uh, tears happen pretty easily. In terms of when I've cried by myself, I probably cry by myself at least every week and a half. Something comes up where I get frustrated and cry. Uh, when did I last cry in front of another person? Um, it was probably in front of you. I'm sure that I've cried in front of you in the past two weeks, I would say. Three weeks? I don't Um, Possibly? I don't yeah, remember past the three weeks. Maybe they just weren't memorable cries. Um, The birthday party? Oh, yeah. You cried at the... Mm-hmm. Yeah, cried at the birthday party. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a crier. I mean, I I'm the I wish I was a little less prone to waterworks, but that's not the way it is. I've got very active tear ducts. No. Oh. Well, me, I'm a manly man, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't cry. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I the, s- okay. Okay. Sure. The last time I think the last time I like severely broke down and cried, I was uh, with you in the, the back, back seat of, of your car. Like, yeah. And I think that you held me like a baby and let me bawl my eyes out because I was going through a very hard period of time in my life. That's what teammates are for. And so I did that. The last time I cried alone, uh, here's an embarrassing little secret about me is that sometimes I get a little weepy eyed at the end of movies. Really? Uh, I, I mean, because I hate it because I know they're engineered to do that, like Pixar films, fuck you, Pixar films, <laughs> because they engineer them to make you sit there in the theater and get weepy eyed, like the end of Inside Out. Every time, it just it gets me, and I can't, I can't show it, you know. But yeah, sometimes at the end of a really good movie, I remember when I went and saw The Pianist. I went and I sat in my car and I bawled for at least a good 10, 15 minutes oh, before I could drive away. So yeah, yeah 
end of movies. Uh, I know, but I hate it because I know I'm being manipulated and I know the studio system has come up with that formula and be like this certain music and this certain shot. It's just going to, uh, it's going to rip those tears from these people. Let's bring it. When I saw the pianist, I happened to go to the theater and I'd been wearing false eyelashes and I started crying so heavily during the course of the movie that I actually cried my false eyelashes off and the eyelash glue can get in your eyes and burn. So I'd lost the eyelashes and then my eyes start like sticking together and I go to the bathroom to try and pull myself together and they're just like beet red and all gummy with the glue inside because I've been crying too much. Mm. Pianist is a fucking heavy film. It's man. a heavy film. Oof. I only watched it once. Just once. I've I watched it either. once. I cannot watch it again, but it is. I went and bought it. I have a copy. <laughs> of course you did. Well, but you're never going to watch it. Never going to watch it again, ever. I want to have a copy of it. I will not ever be So it's there. Anymore. So when people come out of this house, they can peruse your DVD collection. Be like, Ooh, the pianist. No, it's just I, I don't want to ever see it again, but I want to own a copy. Yeah. Trust me, it makes sense in my mind. I'm sure it does. It's not there to showcase my movie collection to other people. Yeah. I, I want to have it, but that's not a repeat viewing sort of thing. Tell your partner something that you like about them already all right again well, this, this is, is supposed this to be for, stranger yeah. that you just met i think but... we can I, we can skip that one just it's a yeah. little redundant we've i've known each other for years and decades i like your blowjobs <laughs> already i already like your blowjobs <laughs> having known you this long i think you give a great blowjob i really love sucking dick it's one of my favorite things so i can honestly tell you that's something i like about you already oh <laughs> thank you you're welcome <laughs> All right. What, if anything, is too serious to be joked about? That's an interesting question because I feel that, you know, you could go for the go-to things of like rape or, you know, child abuse or pedophilia or wife beating. But at the same time, I've seen comedians that have been able to tackle all of those topics and done properly and with the right amount of finesse even the most disturbing thing can be joked about, but a lot of the heavy stuff like rape and child abuse and mental disabilities are, I think, really hard to successfully joke about. Done properly, anything can be joked about, but if your delivery is off and it falls flat, then you've just laid a very stinky egg. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. I usually find that I have no real boundaries uh, when it comes to humor. Like I said, I have an extremely dark sense of humor. And so there's very few things that can be joked about as long as they don't happen to me, I guess. Right? Mm -hmm. When it happens to me, nobody better make fun of it. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. like it's like, ha ha, Chris, you went to prison and got ass raped. Ha ha. I was like, yeah, you know what? That's not funny anymore. Mm -hmm. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. So, but yeah, uh, I think I really don't have a filter. And sometimes it gets me in trouble. Oh, I don't yes, know if you've does. noticed this or not, because I don't, and regardless of company, I usually don't care. And I will usually put no filter on the things that I will joke about. Okay. If you were to die this evening with no opportunity to communicate with anyone, what would you most regret not having told someone, and why haven't you told them yet? Uh, where all the gold is buried. I'll give you a secret cipher as to where to find it. You have buried gold? No, I haven't told anyone that. I see. <laughs> no, I don't know where all the... Rosebud. <laughs> 
Okay. Well, you don't have a serious answer for that. Um, I uh, don't have an answer for this either because I am not afraid to communicate. You're, you're pretty open. I tell, I don't have any, if I have something to say to someone, I say it. There's nothing I've held back. Yeah. I People might not like my bluntness, but I've never not told someone something. No. I mean, the people I love and care about, I tell them on a regular basis. I think I tell you on a regular basis, and I tell my daughter on a regular basis. So I hope that all those bases are covered. Right. Um, Likewise. Yeah. So, you know, besides so long and thanks for all the fish, then <laughs> nothing else. Uh, all right. Your house containing everything you own catches fire. After saving your loved ones and pets, you have time to safely make a final dash to save one item. What would it be and why? Oh, this is an easy one for both of us. <laughs> Go. My bug out bag. I have a very well stocked out stocked up bug out bag. I've been we've had multiple fires that have come through the area. I'm aware of the droughts, I'm aware of the fires. I have a bug out bag that I've been working on for years and it contains everything like antibiotics gold uh, a shower curtain food um blankets um, moisturizer dry shampoo hairbrushes change of clothes uh, my passport like sleeping bag um tarp like i have an incredibly well stocked out bug out bag and if there's one thing i could pick up it would be that but no loaded weapons the loaded weapons are not in the bug out bag. No, I know, but you only could have only one, one thing. One thing. It, it's yeah. bug out bag before a loaded weapon. Yeah, definitely bug out bag. I have my bug out bags um, and laptop and bug out bag. That's two things. I know. Well, I mean, thankfully, in the bug out bag, I have a backed up thumb drive of all my important files. Right. But I would still really appreciate to have the laptop. Oh, yeah, in an ideal world, I could say tablet and bug out bag. I would not okay. want but to. But yeah, win. definitely. I mean, bug out bug bag. bag yeah. Because I, mm -hmm. if I lost everything and most of all my really important things, I keep in a fireproof safe. So hopefully they'll survive. But yeah, I thought that would be an easy one for both of us because both of us are very into being prepared and yeah. we actually love to bring out our bug out bags. Go through them, sort, organize, get rid of the outdated stuff, see what we're missing. Yeah. Compare. Yeah. We have a bug out bag measuring competition. We do, we do. You throw down. Uh, I've gotten some good uh, tips from you. Yeah, you too. I, you know, my bug out bag has grown immensely since I've been hanging out with you. Yeah, I take out, I take bug out bags fairly seriously. Mm -hmm. Of all the people in your family, whose death would you find the most disturbing and why? Oh, well, that's easy. My daughter. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, so much of my life is constructed around her and her needs and i don't do some of the things that i would like to do because i want to provide a good stable household and upbringing for her so mm -hmm. if she were to die all bets off mm -hmm. you know she keeps me grounded she does she's so, really good for you and uh i i don't plan on having any other children so it's i'm one and done and yeah i think i would be devastated Right. I w would be my father. I'm I'm very close to my father out of anyone in my family. I my father passing is going to be hard on me. I really love him. I am a daddy's girl and fortunately he's in great shape. 
does Birkham yoga, weightlifts, like, you know, has a very pure diet. So he'll probably be around for a while, but I know that when the inevitable comes, that one's going to be pretty challenging for me. Yeah, thankfully he's already given us instructions as to what to do, is to uh, dig a pit in the backyard and throw him in and burn him. <laughs> yeah, I'll be following that instruction to the letter. Yeah, yeah I've been trying to talk him into cremation. He's like, just dig a pit in the backyard and then chuck my body in and set it on fire. You're done. Like, I can't do that, man. Uh-huh. I can't do that. <laughs> oh, uh, here, here's a little uh, tip and trick for those people out there. If you ever want to start a good conversation with Miss DeGray, ask her about her views on cremation. <laughs> I will she talk would your be, ear off. Uh, have, she would love I to love, share her yeah. vast knowledge of cremation. I get very excited. Hey, man. I'm, cremation I'm, I'm, makes her wet. I'm a proud member of the, of the Neptune Society. I am a huge advocate for it. I can't say enough good things about it. Please contact me about my opinions on the Neptune Society. I will tell you it. I will get a, I'll, I'll get a little excited. I do get excited. I know. It's very exciting. I can tell right now. Look, you're getting all flushed. Yeah, it's just it's it's. I'll something. have to check you later. See how excited. <laughs> a whisper it's, cremation in your ear. Is this something I'm really passionate about? Like, cremate okay. me, baby. Cremate me. Come on, baby. Cremate me. <laughs> it's so logical and practical. I know. I know. And and financially wise. All the things you love. All the things I love. All right, 36, final question. Share a personal problem and ask your partner's advice on how he or she might handle it. Also, ask your partner to reflect back to you how you seem to be feeling about the problem you have chosen. Wow, this one's kind of awkward for me. I don't even think I know how to share a personal problem. Um, okay. I I hate the fact that I get so frustrated that I will fling laptops down and break them or rather than go through the process of making a phone call, if I get frustrated about how the phone call is going, usually with bureaucracy, I will slam the phone down and walk away. I hate the fact that I get as frustrated as I do. I consider it a huge liability. How would you handle having such a low frustration tolerance like I do? Uh, I don't know. Patience. Wow, that's fucking helpful. <laughs> there you go. Can Patience. you reflect back to me how I seem to be feeling about the problem I've chosen? Annoyed. Frustrated, maybe? <laughs> frustrated. Frustrated. You. you seem frustrated about your frustration. <laughs> um, I would say, you know, you were a very impulsive person. I would say just to practice on small daily levels, not being so impulsive. <laughs> I know it'd be difficult for you, but you know what? It's a challenge. You can step outside that compulsive comfort zone of yours. Mm, and, and instead of throwing that machinery down and crushing your phone because it's not doing what you want to do or tossing the GPS out the window as you're driving because or it's running, not giving Or running over my phone. Yeah. Or slamming my laptop on the ground. Yeah, I would uh, maybe deep breathing. I try deep breathing. It's good for my lungs. Yeah. So breathe more, deeply. More deep breathing. You know, you know, ask yourself before I destroy this piece of technology, count to three. It was really satisfying to run my phone over with my car. Yeah. Though. Is this a problem you really want to solve? Uh, no, I do. I do. It would, It was. It's, it's uh, financially expensive and um, it, it's not a benefit in any way. Mm-hmm. Well, so then, then you just have to. Deep breathing and patience. Quit cold turkey. Quit cold turkey. Just stop breaking electronics. 
Well, that's not the only ways in which my frustration manifests. No, I know. It's just the more expensive I, way. I, I would say find more ways to relax. I'm I think not, that your frustration comes out of your natural tendency not to be able to relax very well. I'm not very good at relaxing. Yeah, I think you need to Except find... for when I'm relaxed. Yeah. It, when I do that's relax. That's so odd how you seem to be so relaxed when you're relaxed. When I, I'm either highly not relaxed, but when I am relaxed, I commit to it 150%. Mm -hmm. And then an undone puddle of goo. Yeah. I've yeah. seen you go through those phases. Mm -hmm. And sometimes within the matter of minutes, you mm -hmm. can be hyper high strung and then you're just a dripping pile of goo on the floor. It does. I've, yes. Depending on the situation. Depending on the situation. So I would say uh, try to relax more. And try not to take things so seriously. Wow. I think you take things a little too seriously sometimes. Okay. As for me, my problem, mm -hmm. uh, well, lately uh, I've been just dealing with uh, not knowing what to do with myself. Um, I like having lots of projects to work on. And I have, I still have plenty of projects to work on, but I'm just not feeling like I have any direction or focus on any of the projects. Oftentimes I feel like there's so many things I want to do that I don't know where to start. And that if I focus on one thing, then all the other things are going to get shoved to the side. So I don't know what I want to do, but whatever I choose, I also want it to be profitable for myself. Cause there's plenty of things I could do that would not be profitable, mm -hmm. but I want to find something that I enjoy that makes me feel fulfilled and is profitable. And I'm sure that I am not individual in wanting all those things. That's the dream of all people, but I'm just feeling a little restless lately and uh, ungrounded, mm -hmm. I would say. Mm -hmm. How I would handle it. Well, I know you enough to know that some of the liabilities that you have with yourself is that you do get, very rigid and locked into a way that you've decided for things to be. You're not very good at shifting a game plan mid-game. And that's definitely something that I would suggest that you focus on, is being a little bit more adaptable. Because you have a hard time trusting people because you're more intelligent than most, you tend to get very rigid and locked in your ways if this is like the right thing to be. And uh, that isn't always an asset to you. The I can understand being restless and not feeling fulfilled. One of the ways that I could suggest that would be beneficial is that you have these incredibly high standards of how things should be. And if you can't get it to that, then you don't really feel it's worth doing. And you will overstress on perfection to paralysis. And then nothing gets done. And when you have these incredibly high standards of how something should be done, and it has to be done perfectly, and it can't be done perfectly, so then you do nothing at all, that's not a benefit to you whatsoever. Yeah, or stop being so much of a perfectionist. And I do find that I get the uh, planning paralysis mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Well, that's uh, all 36 questions. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Like I said uh, at the beginning, we hope that this was a good introduction to us and who we are, and maybe it will endear you to us and get you to want to follow us along our journey as we create this podcast because we really know we have no idea where it's going to be going. 
but we would love to have you along and you know what all the resources for this will be on the website try it with someone that you may not know you could make great friends or fall in love with the stranger you could end up with a ring on your finger yeah all right i uh, think that's pretty good so now we're gonna do but we're gonna cut out for you four minutes of staring into each other's eyes yes we're staring into each other's eyes and we'll be right back with you after we complete that so <laughs> see you in a bit if you enjoy what you've been hearing and you would like to learn more this is just a quick reminder of all the various places I can be located at. I am Rain to Gray on Facebook, FetLife, Twitter, Instagram, and RainToGray.com. My website is updated regularly. I'm very active on social media. Look me up on a platform, send me a message. I respond best to messages sent to me through my Patreon as that's the easiest way to contact me, otherwise things can get lost in the shuffle. I have a bi-monthly advice column, and I am always looking for fresh questions to answer. Don't forget, my Patreon supporters are guaranteed to have a question answered in an upcoming advice column. But if there's something you've always been curious about, go ahead and look me up on my website via my contact page, and your question just might be featured in an upcoming advice column. Also, I am always taking questions for my podcast. The number to call for that is 614-733-4739. Again, that's 614-733-4739, otherwise known as 614-R-DeGray. If there's something you're curious about, go ahead and call that number, leave your question, and it just might be featured in an upcoming podcast or advice column. Well, I think that's a wrap. I'd like to thank everyone that has tuned in and listened. I certainly feel that it was a good introductory way for people to get to know us a little bit better. Yeah, thanks for everybody that uh, stuck around to the end. I know this is a rather long podcast. Usually it's not going to be this long. They'll be a little bit shorter, more concise. But we felt this was a good way to introduce ourselves and uh, Mm -hmm. maybe have you get a little bit more endeared to us, follow us on our journey and get to know who we are as real people. That's right. Sounds good to me. I think it's a success. So Mm -hmm. uh, have a good night, morning, day, whatever time it is you're hearing this. Until next time. Out.